Hello, everybody, except Jeff Bezos. And welcome to another episode of Science in Podcast, presented by Science in Pictures magazine. If you've been here before, you already know I'm Madison, and you also know there's someone with me. Who is it? Oh, it's Jared, I think. Jared Adelman. There he is. I'm here. That's him. We're always here for you to take the headache out of peer-reviewed scientific literature. If you didn't know what this podcast is about, that's what we do here. Uh, Last week, we squashed some nonsense. Hope you enjoyed that. It was a little spicy. This week, we're back to our normal type of episode where we take a recently published piece of scientific literature that is peer-reviewed and we break it down. So we pull out the jargon, go through that together. Um, We break down the article into terms that people can understand. We also go down a lot of rat holes. It's going to be a bunch of those. Yeah, we make some jokes. We have some giggles. Um, It's a fun ride. So... Buckle in. Oh, and also, we do this thing called the Fun Fact Corner, where we share just, like, fun facts that we've learned that have nothing to do with the episode, so that'll be here, too. So if you're like, what are they talking about? That's pro- that's probably where we are. I think we're at that point now. Are we at that point? Yeah. Should we do it first, before we even tell them what the article's about? Do I not usual? Let's do it that way this time. You guys ready? You guys ready for a change? I should know this. Okay, we're just gonna keep going. Yes, time for Fun Fact Corner. Fun <laughs> Facts! Okay, do you want to go first? Yes, I do. So I learned, you know how the brain is like squishy and has all of the folds in it? Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks like, like a little maze. Yeah. No single person on the planet has the same type of folds in their brain. Really? It's like a fingerprint. Yeah, everyone's brain is folded differently. You can kind of imagine exactly how they figured it out. Just like looking at different cadavers' brains and being right? like, oh, they're like a snowflake. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if like they, but how did they figure out that like no two were alike? How many dead bodies? Well... I mean, the snowflake thing was eventually disproven when we looked at enough snowflakes, so... Wait, that was disproven? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Oh. I'm so sad. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too, Jared. Well, you know, Jewish. Uh, <laughs> Happy Hanukkah, might be. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> do you want to go to my fun fact? Yes, I do. So, uh, you know how uh, dogs definitely shouldn't eat grapes? Yes, I do. Um, did you know that no one actually knows how grapes are toxic to dogs? They don't know why? They don't know why. Um, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense that that we don't know why, because you'd basically have to poison a lot of dogs with grapes to understand the mechanism of it. Um, so no one wants to do that for, uh, for a good reason. Um, there's more than enough anecdotal cases of dogs Mm -hmm. even getting to the point of death after eating grapes to say that it's most definitely most likely a thing, but it's kind of like anesthesia in which we don't know the actual mechanism for how it works. We don't know that either. We, We don't know how anesthesia works, no. Unless that's been, like, super recently figured out, but... Well, anesthesiologists, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Your job is made up, did you know? I just found out. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what I meant by that. (laughs) Okay, so, now, for the paper. For Uh, the paper! For the paper! The paper I brought for us this week is a rather fascinating lesson on why it's always important to follow up on the open-ended questions raised by the research of others. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Long mysteries. Poke holes, fill holes. <laughs> Indeed. In doing so, it turns a widely held assumption about the survival strategy of a certain air-breathing fish completely on its head. <gasps> yeah. I love air-breathing fish. Mm-hmm. This paper was published on November 17th of this year into the journal Science Advances uh, by scientists Ryan Darby Heimrath, Elisa Cassidy, Ottavia Benedicenti, and, Benedicenti. and Irene Salinas of uh, all of the University of Mexico, Albuquerque. New Mexico. Yes. Not the old one. <laughs> the new one. Mm-hmm. We also have Chris Tsuyoshi Amamiya uh, of the University of California, Merced. 
That I, one, I don't know. Yeah, I've never heard of that place. And also, Pilar Munoz of uh, the University of Murcia in Spain. The paper's title, The Lungfish Cocoon is a Living Tissue with Antimicrobial Functions. The Lungfish Cocoon is a Living Tissue. Mm -hmm. That's like alien. I love it. Yeah, that's like revolutionary. So like they make their own placenta. I'm, we're going to find out all about it. Not at all, but something equally cool. Okay. For, for me, for my purposes now, that's what's in my head. <laughs> Interesting. Let's see if that uh, makes things a problem later. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> uh, before we jump into the paper, though, it is time, as always, to walk over and get some key terms squared away in the jargon corner. Let's hop, skip on over. All right, I'm here. Or maybe swim this time, uh, because first up is the taxonomic order Dipnoi, uh, more commonly known as the lungfishes. Dipnoi. I have no idea the roots of that word, but I do love lungfishes. I forgot to look up the etymology of it. That's okay. I mean, it's not, but... <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward. You're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Apology later. later. Uh, lungfishes are classified uh, further under... No, more broadly, under Sarcopterygii, uh, which means the lobe-finned fishes. Sarcopterygii. The mm -hmm. lobe-finned fishes. Those are the ones who have muscles in their fins. No? Well... Much different muscles Earth than bones. the raven fish. Yeah. Different bones, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, more so. Exactly. More like a limb. Yeah. Mm, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> like Madison was alluding to, all you hardcore fish fans out there will know that the lobe-finned fish uh, are now known to be the group of fishes from which all four-legged uh, or tetrapod vertebrate animals, including us, because our arms are legs, We are tetrapods, so are snakes. Yeah. Even though they lost their pods. Mm -hmm. There are two primary bodily characteristics uh, that hint at this fact, which is the enamel of their teeth. Uh, the Sarcopterygians have tooth enamel, which really? ray fishes don't. No. That's one of the things that they acquired on the way to us. I didn't know we got our tooth enamel from lungfish. That's rad. Lungfishes and their... Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. simplifying because mm -hmm. I can't say the word. And I'm overfying because that's what I do. But yeah, that enamel is absent in the other bony and cartilaginous, cartilaginous fishes. Uh, and of course, their lobe fins. These fins, four in number, these fins, four in number, sit conveniently where you might expect the, the limbs of a long, slimy animal like a salamander to be. And more importantly, well, where the fins of most bony fishes, uh, that's the ray-finned fishes, are made up of multiple little bony appendages, or mm -hmm. rays, which kind of makes like a fan-like structure. Mm -hmm. Y'all have seen it. You know, fins. Yeah, exactly. Finding Nemo. You know. Yep. Uh, lobe fins only have a central appendage, composed of lots of small bones and muscles. Little club. Mm-hmm. Not unlike our own limbs. Yes. Still pretty unlike it, because, you know, we're still at the fish. But, you know, mm -hmm. not totally different. But it's got everything that our limbs have, just like... Exactly. Yeah. Um, a little nubbin of limb. Mm-hmm. little nubbin of limb. That eventually became a limb. Fossil finds throughout the years, like the famous, what's called a fisherpod, Tiktaalik. <gasps> Tiktaalik. Mm-hmm. There's a really... Tiktaalik. Not, not Tiktok, kids. Tiktaalik. He's your great, 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 great... A million times great grand... Yeah. There's like a ten to the... 19th power in there somewhere. Yeah. Finds like Tiktaalik have largely allowed scientists to map the gradual piecemeal changes of these fins over evolutionary time uh, that would eventually allow their predecessors, our ancestors, to walk on and colonize the terrestrial realm. Yeah, Tiktaalik is like my favorite ancestor. I love Tiktaalik so much. Yep. You ever been to the Museum of Natural History? Uh, which at, one? Uh, the one at Harvard that's still not I open. I haven't. They also have an actual coelacanth specimen, which is another little pinfish. Living? Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's it's been oh. preserved for a long time. Okay, okay. It's I mean, huge, though. It's massive. I don't know why I thought it would be living. Like, that would be such huge news. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> well, you know that coelacanths are still swimming around, right? They're just super I rare. I do, but people don't have them in aquaria. This is true. 
That is because we don't know how to care for them. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, I, that's why I'm like, why did I just think that the Harvard <laughs> Museum of Natural History would have a live coelacanth? Good point. Madison is self-canceled. Yep. Uh, coelacanceled. <laughs> Jared really liked that one, guys. Quality wordplay. Thank you. But back to lungfish. Uh, lungfish are also named as such because of their possession of an actual rudimentary lung. Uh, a modification of the gas bladder that regulates the buoyancy of uh, the other bony fishes, or most of them. Thank you for reminding me what's modified, because I kept forgetting when I was talking about lungfish. I was like, it's a modified, I don't know, stomach or something? That's technically right, because the gas bladder itself is like, it's like an offset of the stomach. It's a modified, modified stomach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. This combination of gill and lung uh, permits lungfishes the ability to survive in waters that are often severely lacking in dissolved oxygen by supplementing their oxygen intake with air gulped from, from above. Uh, gulp being literally because they don't have anything remotely close to like a like an actual like bellows thing in their body. They have to like gulp air, expand their mouth cavity, and then like... Bellows. You know how like most animal lungs ha have like a thing, th a thing that like expands them in and out? Kinda yeah, like, like the diaphragm. Yeah, exactly. They don't have anything like that. So, so, so they just have to like Swallow expand air? their mouth cavity and gulp the air. Interesting. Yeah, that's why it's called gulping air, which is oh, really cool. Oh, I thought that was just like what it was called. I didn't, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, because scientists are super technical, that's usually a reason for everything. That's true. Yeah. So lungfish have this, like, almost lung that came from their gas bladder, and they can't, like, breathe like we do, where it happens, so they have to go up to the surface and literally, like, take a mouthful of air and swallow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it also paved the way for some lungfishes to survive outside of the water for an amazingly long time if there's a need to do so. And that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is a two-parter, uh, the first being estivation and the second being terrestrialization. Oh, new jargon? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying the next part after it gulps air. I was like, Bloop. Oh, we're gonna talk- we, we, we are gonna talk about that later. Good. All right. Estivation and terrestrialization. Mm -hmm. Terrestrialization, I mean, terrestrial has to do with the land as opposed to the sea. So adapting to the living conditions of land, terrestrialization? Um... And I know in many ways, yes, but in okay. this specific study, as it relates to, to lungfish, terrestrialization happens in a much shorter time scale. Happens oh. within their lifetime. Okay, gotcha. And then estivation is... Usually terrestrialization, though, does mean like a general adaptation of, of, oh, okay. of an animal to land. But for some reason, they use the same word for what a, what a lungfish does to get itself Just ready. a different time period, I guess. Like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Different scale of time. Mm -hmm. And then estivation, I know, is somewhat similar to like hibernation and brumation. Yes, in that it's kind of the in response to the opposite conditions. Yes. Okay, cool. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, um, estivation is the adaptive response to an environment that becomes too hot and or dry for an organism to generally exist in. So it gets <laughs> too hot, too dry, we estivate. And what that mean? What do we do? That mean uh, said organism transitions into a state of basically dormancy and much, much lower to metabolic rate, uh, hopefully weathering that unfavorable environment until conditions improve. Go big night-night. Go big night night. Exactly. <laughs> uh, for animals like the African lungfish, uh, those are all uh, fishes in the genus Prodopteris, mm -hmm. uh, the need to estivate comes with the yearly transition of their habitats from wet season to dry. Love it. Yes, the rivers like go into a little trickle and then it becomes that cakey mud flat. Mm -hmm. Not only uh, do water levels drop, but uh, corresponding drops in food also occur rather significantly. Because they get their food from the water. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, there's a rather... The visible chain here. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, these conditions will induce the process of, of terrestrialization. 
so that's what that word means, uh, in which the lungfish body undergoes physiological changes that prepare it for its long slumber underneath the mud of its once watery habitat. You know what I'm picturing right now, thinking of this? What are you doing? You know the meme of the little girl on the beach, and she's like, I, I take a nap right here. No. I take a nap right here. What? I posted on the Instagram. I have to show you, actually. Okay. Because that's what I'm picturing the lungfish doing as it gets too hot and dry. <laughs> um, okay. You want to take a nap? I'm taking a nap here. Good night. <laughs> That's lungfish. The water goes away. I'm taking a nap right here. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. Uh, Madison showed me the video, and I definitely agree. Thank you all. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have one more uh, jargon in the jargon corner. Jargon. This... Th <coughs> I'm sorry. Is it a Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this jargon is granulocyte. Granulocyte. Okay, so granular is in small grains that make up a whole. Granulocyte... Site is usually more singular. Is it? It's like a place. Or a cell? Yeah. So it is a cell. Uh, <laughs> sandy cell? I don't know. No, that's actually pretty uh, kind of on the nose. Really? Um, yes. Well, yes and no. We'll see. Tell uh, me. Granulocytes are a class of white blood cell. Uh, they're a part of the immune system, uh, categorized by their granule, very, very tiny particle-filled insects. It's hey. not sand, but it is proteins, but I guess you do find proteins in small amounts in sand. Sandy so. cell! Exactly. Alright. Yeah, cool. so I'm proud of myself. So I can remember it. Uh, the most abundant granulocytes in the uh, body of a healthy human are called neutrophils. That's going to be important later. Do you know what a neutrophil is? It sounds like something the Kardashians would sell me. So neutrophils work. Um, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they work as advertised. Uh, in... Do they make my lips big? <laughs> they can cause inflammation. But that's what you want your list to dig from. <laughs> I wouldn't say that's the healthiest thing, but they can, in fact, make lips big. All right. We'll look into it. Mm -hmm. Look um, for our lip kit. So, <laughs> the, re <laughs> uh, the reason that, that, that neutrophils can make your lips big is because they are a component of our immune system's early response to threats, uh, what's called the innate immune system. Not that that will matter later, because we're not going to talk much about that. Yeah, but cool. Yeah, cool. Um, our neutrophils are able to engulf and consume certain internal invaders, they can signal to other immune cells for help. Uh, they can also induce general inflammation. They can release their internal granules uh, to various effects and more. A fairly recently discovered defensive technique uh, used by neutrophils, this is really cool, it's called etiosis. Etiosis. Mm -hmm. So etiosis is a type of what's called programmable cell death, which is like Ooh. a thing that happens all the time, but it sounds so metal to me. It does. It sounds like a metal album. It really does. Yeah. Um, the, the reality is that programmable cell death is basically like the cell is designed to kill itself because sometimes of a few reasons. Uh, one is because if certain cells are allowed to just like die in a way that isn't expected, they can release bad shit that makes the immune system yeah. mad. Um, and also, like they have to die before they perform certain functions that can actually be super helpful. It reminds me of like certain types of like drones in ant colonies or bee colonies. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's a good comparison. Thank you. Um, but yeah, etiosis is actually in which, uh, the, uh, the cell is going to sacrifice itself to, to release a special mesh of DNA and proteins, uh, able to efficiently trap and kill invaders. Ooh. I was gonna make a human comparison to this. It's, but none of them are appropriate. Imagine if you ripped open your chest and sort of, like, threw your lungs at someone. So I'm picturing, you know how Superman always, like, rips off his suit and tie and there's, like, <laughs> Superman underneath? Yeah. But this is, like, he got his nails done before and so he accidentally, like, dug too deep and suddenly... <laughs> 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Ripped off his whole skin. It's brutal. Marvel, at us. <laughs> DC. God damn it. Oh, I'm canceled. <laughs> we just lost so many fans. You just canceled the show twice sorry, in the same guys. episode. I don't think I'm count. I only cancel myself once. You does feel? it? I mean, does it cancel? Cancel out of cancel? Am I back? I don't know if it's a double negative. We'll have to ask the. Uh, we'll have to ask the panel. Ask the fans. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. That's the last jargon. So. Wait. What's the title of the paper? Not telling you. Oh, okay. I'm actually happy you forgot because the twist is really cool. Okay. 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 Yeah. When, it, when the time comes for an African lungfish to estivate, they will burrow down, curl up, slow down their metabolism, and produce a shit ton of mucus. They take uh, that, a nap right here. They take a nap right here. Uh, that will harden around the fish, becoming its cocoon. Uh, more recent research has revealed that the skin of these lungfishes goes through some pretty heavy remodeling. The skin just visible changes and it gets uh, really weird in some places. Oh, that's uh, cool. Because well, the skin is a living organ, so we can do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of remodeling during that uh, formation of that cocoon as well. Inside, they can safely remain inactive and emerge up to several years later if the situation calls for it. Yep. Which is just... God, Have you seen insane. those videos? I want to say yes. The ones where people build houses out of, like, mud bricks. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. build from the river flats, and then it rains, and suddenly there's lungfish jumping out of their walls in their house. Yeah, just like a little guy. I love it so much. It's it's amazing. It's one of my favorite videos. I want to experience I guess we'll have to put that on the Instagram, too. Also, when I do it myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to experience Lungfish that. house. <laughs> lungfish house. Oh, I can see it now. But back I to the topic. Ah, uh, but I dream. This trick up their lungfishy sleeves is <laughs> clear. <laughs> like a cow neck sweater. It does. I don't know how that translates uh, to viewing, but Madison's making a funny pose right now. Becca needs to draw me a picture of a lungfish wearing a cowl next one. <laughs> Made of its own mucus. I like that. It's making me laugh now. Uh, this trick up their lungfishy sleeves is clearly effective for weathering hostile living conditions, mm-hmm. but it is not without its drawbacks. Mm. Among others, uh, such long-term dormancy beneath the earth should leave an estimating lungfish extremely vulnerable to infection by surrounding pathogens. Really? Mm-hmm. Because they haven't eaten and all that kind of stuff? Also, just there's just, you know, soil is just riddled with that right. stuff. And also, soil. they're standing still for a super-duper long time. Yeah. Just inactive. Yeah. I, I mean, if like, if I buried myself for a few years, I would die, so. Well, yes, yeah. but the lungfish can't is the point of that. <laughs> they but, can't die? I shouldn't have said it that way. Yeah, lungfish I, are immortal, guys. Like, I, I'm impressed is what I'm saying. That's, yes. I can't do what she does. You can't do what she does. No. In her... Whatever you call that sweater. Cowl what is neck. It? Cow neck? Cowl. Cowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's got a little... Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's great. The hood's there if she wants it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, as big as that threat is, uh, how the lungfish immune system may have evolved to remedy this issue is a question almost completely unanswered uh, by the current research. Um, not only that, but the recently discovered skin remodeling during that process would most certainly re- require involvement from, from the, the immune system as well. Or the Kardashians. Or the Kardashians. But again, how that might be happening was not found by that study. They just... I'm not sure if they just couldn't find it or... So we or, don't find out at all in here? You know, How foresha- they remodeled the skin? Oh, we know. We find out. Oh, we find out? I'm okay. foreshadowing. That's oh, he's foreshadowing, my yeah. friends. Okay. It's supposed to be a mystery. Put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, uh, how the immune system might actually be involved has still remained a mystery, except for an important clue discovered ov- almost a century ago. Uh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
So way back in 1931, uh, researchers probing the African lungfish immune system reported abnormally large deposits of, of granulocytes, those large sand, you said, filled sand, cells. Yeah, the mm -hmm. sand-filled uh, germ fighters. Exactly. Uh, they, were they were really, really heavily concentrated in the gut, kidneys, and gonads of free-swimming lungfish. Uh, free-swimming, they mean in this instance, they're not estimating. Yes. Yes. Not in a hole, in a water. Exactly. <laughs> Um, these, uh, stockpiles of immune cells were suspected way back then to play a role in lungfish stress sterilization. But unfortunately, it didn't seem like the technology of the time was quite advanced enough to confirm or re refute that, that suspicion. Yeah, they didn't even have sliced bread. They didn't even have sliced bread. Betty White came before that, didn't she? Yes, she did. Yeah, maybe Betty, was Betty White alive when this happened? Yes, she was. It, she's responsible for this. I think she was born before 1931. It's yeah. All, it's all connected. She must have been. Yeah, she probably was. Yeah. <laughs> Betty White, at us. <laughs> uh, but yes, unfortunately, it didn't seem like the technology of the time was quite advanced enough to confirm or refute that suspicion. But fast forward to now, because, you know, it's, it's 2021. Sure is. The authors of this week's paper, well, they started in 2018, I think, uh, but set out to do just that with a much more modern toolkit. So, to continue this long-standing investigation, our authors acquired and performed... They, they, they just went to this site and just bought a bunch of fish. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, where can you just buy lungfish? No, don't tell them. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you guys. <laughs> Weirdos. Not that we don't trust you, but we don't know you. Our authors acquired and, and performed uh, histological analyses, that's looking at the microscopic features of tissues and cells, um, on two groups of African lungfishes. There were free-swimming individuals, and those that had been artificially induced to estivate for about two weeks. Not about, it was literally two weeks. Just get them all dry. Mm -hmm. They want to take a nap. Mm -hmm. In the free-swimming lungfish, our authors gathered samples from their kidneys and gut. Why did they stay away from the gonads? Who knows? Well, it'd be impolite. <laughs> they just didn't have tact back in 1931. <laughs> um, but looking at, at those free-swimming lungfish, uh, our authors were able to repeat uh, this is very important, and verify the findings of that 1931 study. Basically, they, they didn't make things up or misinterpret their findings. Which, like, when you're repeating a study from the 1930s... It's pretty which, likely that's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people made shit up all the time. Back, yeah. I mean, people still do, but it was... It happens less now. It's, it's not that it happens less, it's just well, harder to get away with it now. There's also that, act, that like, literal movement right now to in increase the replicability of papers, though. Hell yeah. Yeah. Which is mm -hmm. nice. We love. Mm -hmm. We stand. We stand. As long as they talk to the inclusiveness people. Yeah. But yeah. Furthermore, analysis uh, in the same areas, uh, the gut and kidneys, in, in the terrestrialized lungfish, uncovered a consistent depletion of those granulocytes, uh, again, in the kidneys and gut, as well as an increased number of little teeny tiny, what are called lymphatic micropumps. Oh so these little circles sh sh mm -hmm. showed up in their body, and they squeeze them, and that shoots immune cells through, through like different tissue layers and stuff. Makes sense. Had a lot more of those show up. Mm-hmm. Lymphatic micropumps. Yes. That sounds like a disco band. It does. A lot of songs coming up from this study. Mm -hmm. um, a specialized staining technique confirmed that this emptying of kidney and gut granulocytes was a direct result of terrestrialization. All right. In lungfish, uh, granulocytes are thought to primarily serve the role that those neutrophils do in our own bodies. Remember, those are the immune cells... Uh, that, that give them really big lips. <laughs> that give, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, really big lips. They cause inflammation and they protect and send messages around the body to be like, there's an invader. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Yes. Uh, also, they make those extracellular traps uh, and more. They do so many things depending on the situation. We love them. They So they looked at the genes, uh, the genetic differences in um, expression between the terrestrialized and those free-swimming uh, lungfish. Mm-hmm. And... There were several genes that were different, that that were directly related to this, that further proved their point. Nice! So yeah, um, that was happening. And Madison, where were those things going? Where did they all get shuttled off to? I think to the mucus nest. Where did they go before that? Because they haven't made the mucus net yet. Uh, the butthole? The the, the skin, which includes the butthole. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was like, how did things get out of the body? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> it's a dangerous game making me guess things <laughs> that's why it's so fun yeah uh but yeah uh uh in the first part of uh what's 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 gonna happen next uh these cells were shuttled off to the lungfish skin the skin mm-hmm. that can secrete as well through the pores sure i don't know if that's happening here but that's what i know of the skin yeah i can do that yeah it can do that sort of happens here mm-hmm. okay um, if, if you recall from earlier, uh, those prior examinations of lungfish skin during the terrestrialization process revealed a rather heavy level of skin remodeling throughout. I see. Mm-hmm. This is how they do the remodel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, like Madison just alluded to, exactly how the immune system was evolved, this remodeling was not yet clear. And now it is. Mm-hmm. So analysis of the various skin regions of six different terrestrialized lungfish uncovered a potential stepwise process in which the, uh, this remodeling may occur, in which stem cells propagate underneath the skin. The skin becomes progressively and massively inflamed. Um, there's a couple diagrams in which it can transition to. The skin goes from like what, what you, you, would, you would expect to to just like thin lines. Okay, like literally don't tell the Kardashians because <laughs> they will put it in their lips. Oh God, they'll become transparent. Or their butts. Or their butts. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're going to see later why that would be a horrible idea. Great. Yeah. Okay, so lungfish gets all puffy puffy mm-hmm. with the skin. In, uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, just massive, massive amounts of inflammation. It becomes massively inflamed. It gets flooded with uh, granulocytes and antimicrobial peptides. Mm-hmm. Those are proteins our immune system makes that, that uh, you kind of kill invaders. Nice. Mm-hmm. And finally transitions into a bit more flattened, uh, can't secrete mucus anymore, but still super inflamed state. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, Interesting. So again, the Kardashians don't want to be constantly inflamed unless they do. I, it feels like they do. Then we'll, then I have to uh, amend my point. All right. Okay. I've been canceled twice. Madison and I are tied. I don't know why I keep bringing up the Kardashians. It's very, <laughs> like the Venn diagram of people who care about the Kardashians and people who care about lung fist mucus. It's like two very separate circles, probably. <laughs> very, very true. But uh, here we bring them together. Yes. And here we go. Um, so they, uh... The order that they sort of guessed at was sort of a guess because they only had six long lungfish to go off of. Um, so whether it actually happens in that order is going to happen is going to have to be confirmed by 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 further study. Because okay. at this point, our authors turned their attention to something else: the mucus, the cocoon. Exactly. Yes. First, though, a foreshadowing fun fact. All right, Madison, did yeah. you know that estivation inside a cocoon is also seen in some amphibians? Inside a cocoon? Mm-hmm. I did not know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it happens in response to similar conditions. Oh, is just... it a wood frog? 
Is that how they do it? Remember no, they, they just freeze solid. Remember, and that happens in the winter, so that's yeah. not estivation. So that's, that's not estivation. That's hibernation. Exactly. Okay. When certain amphibians experience dry and hot conditions similar to lungfishes, they will also estivate, creating their own cocoons by shedding their skin multiple times and turning those skin layers tough. Uh, their skin layers actually go through a programmable cell death called cornification, and it just turns into like this... Like a husk. Like a husk. <sighs> which, which amphibians? Are you not going to tell me? Mm, I didn't know. have time to do it. Uh, that's okay, that's okay. That's Probably okay. some frogs and some salamanders. I'm going to look them up. You, you should post them on Instagram, too. They're probably cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those uh, skin layers shed multiple times, they cornify and harden, and they become pretty tightly packed, and more importantly, waterproof. Mm -hmm. By contrast, um, historically, the lungfish cocoon has been described as really nothing more than a mass of hardened mucus. Cute. Uh, but our authors took issue with, with this interpretation, because of what they found. Mm -hmm. um, what they found uh, is that after the lungfish cocoon finishes forming, its skin is all but depleted of mucus-forming cells. So that would basically imply that during the terrestrialization process, they can't make any more mucus to stop cells from invading. Okay. And that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem that they would have had to overcome for this ability to, to become so, so widespread. So there is an answer to it. We're just not seeing it yet. Okay, okay. Yeah. That was the foreshadowing. Exactly. They become vulnerable to attack. Um, how do they get around this? Maybe we'll find out. So our authors turned their attention towards the cocoon itself to figure out if the lungfish had discovered any tactics for protecting against this vulnerability. And amazingly, their findings overturned everything we thought we knew about this supposed quote-unquote husk of mucus. Okay. Through the use of cell staining and electron microscopy, uh, our authors showed that this supposed dead mucus cocoon is in reality a mass of living tissue that is rife with activity. Oh, man. Multiple cell types were found to be active within, including mucus-producing what's called goblet cells. They just <laughs> kind of fill up with mucus and they spit it out. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Mucus. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be a fun movie. Mm -hmm. Uh... <laughs> Endo and epithelial cells, uh, these are cells that allow for the transfer of things but, uh, between blood and tissues. Yeah. And also cells that line our uh, body's many surfaces, respectively. There were also abundant granulocytes uh, that showed telltale uh, cell cellular signatures of having migrated into the cocoon through the skin. Wow. Mm -hmm. So they literally made like a second skin that's alive. Yeah, they're making a thing that they're living inside that's also part of their living body. Living house. Living house. So the, uh, the uh, granulocytes migrated right into that cocoon through the skin, and also a series of small channels leading to heavily clumped groups of cells uh, that those granulocytes very well could have been uh, traveling through. Wow. Yeah. That is so interesting. That's not even half of it either. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of the half of it. Like, but... what if you, you know how, you, did you ever make snow caves as a kid? What's that? Like, when the snow plow comes and plows your driveway, and then it makes this huge mountain of snow, and then you make a little house. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. What if you, like, got in there, and then you just sat for a while, and your skin was like, and suddenly, inside your snow cave, there's, like, a shell around you that's literally, like, your skin, but slimier, and you're like, yeah, I live here now. That might be, like, the only way to relate this to how a human could do this. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very relatable. Yeah, that was impressive. That Thank was you. rather impressive. So, furthermore, the... Furthermore! Furthermore! Furthermore, uh, the formation of this cocoon uh, being described as a simple excretion of mucus was found to be way off the mark as well. Um, a bit more like those estivating amphibians, the lungfish cocoon is actually formed by repeated shedding. So successive shedding and regeneration of those su successive skin layers, which would explain why, why all those stem cells are gathering over in that area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because stem cells are the ones that make a new tissue. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, it's kind of like amphibians, right? Because they're both shedding to make their cocoon. For sure. Uh, but it's also different in a lot of ways. Uh, here is where it starts to diverge. So, prior studies of estimating amphibians um, show that their cocoons don't actually do much to repel bacteria, because similar concentrations of bacteria can be found throughout the cocoon and their skin, too. By contrast, analysis of the terrestrialized lungfish showed concentrations of bacteria within their cocoons that were up to three orders of magnitude higher than on the skin of these fish. Oh. So the cocoon is super good at not letting bacteria get to the fish. Wow, yeah. To top it all off, every single cocoon uh, showed actual uh, gene expression activity for genes associated both with mucus production and heightened inflammation and other immune activity. So yes, the lungfish cocoon is definitely not dead, but a living cellular extension of the lungfish itself. You're in that cocoon and it becomes your skin. It's better than our healthcare system. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's easy to say. But. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> And uh, not only that, but it's one that seems to be able to trap bacteria and prevent infection during a time where the lungfish would otherwise be especially vulnerable. Forget masks. Get yourself a living mucus cocoon. Well, not yet, because we still haven't uh, really figured out how it's doing that yet. That's true. We Keep will. the mask, but also get yourself a living mucus cocoon. Exactly. But how is this cocoon able to stop all these bacteria in their tracks before they reach the lungfish proper? Copious amounts of extracellular traps. Aha! Uh -huh. Mm-hmm. So, uh, those are made by the neutrocytes. Neutrophils, but yes. Oh, yes, sorry. Uh, these traps are formed by etiosis, that type of programmable cell death that we touched on in the jargon corner. Mm -hmm. Through this process, an immune cell is going to sacrifice itself to make that uh, mesh of protein in DNA that's able to ensnare and kill those invaders. That's the Superman tearing off his skin. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of net comes out. Yep. Um, <laughs> analysis of lungfish cocoons showed very high uh, levels of active etiosis occurring throughout that cocoon and not necessarily that much uh, in the inflamed skin underneath. However, the granulocytes found in, in the lungfish skin could undergo that same etiosis if they were stimulated to do so. So this is basically showing that the lungfish immune system defense during estivation is actually twofold, with the majority of invading bacteria are trapped within that living cocoon, and if any actually make it through, then the same process of extracellular trapping can also be initiated on the skin, which is super inflamed to defend from exactly this. In a final series of experiments, our authors set out to determine how essential these extracellular traps were in actually protecting the lungfish during estivation. They did, I didn't know that this was an actual thing, but uh, they did this by taking certain estivating lungfish and spraying, just surface spraying their cocoons with a compound called DNAs. DNAs? It's an enzyme that destroys DNA. Crazy, right? That is fucked up. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah, the most metal part of this study. Yeah. Um, kind of crazy. Whoa. Also crazy is what happens next, uh, because those uh, extracellular traps are basically rendered inert because it destroys the DNA that's helping to hold them together. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, the surface spraying destroyed the extracellular traps both within the cocoon and on the, the, the lungfish skin, and even inhibited the formation uh, of more to replace them. And with their disappearance came a whole mess of issues. Mm. So in the lungfish that had their extracellular traps neutralized, our authors observed lesions of the skin, internal hemorrhaging, Cranial swallowing, swelling, oh, my and a prolapsed anus. Oh, God. One of their butts died. No, um, prolapsed? Like, that is... Yeah, it comes out and you can't put it back in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Poor little lungfish butthole. There was only a few, which I guess... I'm... Let's let's pour one out. Yeah. For the lungfish buttholes. <laughs> this is a podcast that uh, respects and uh, values the, the pursuit of knowledge. I am thankful oh, that I'm not the one actually having to do this stuff. Yes. I'm really happy that these researchers you know, did this study so that we could learn these things, but 
I also want to pour one out for the lungfish who lost their buttholes. Yeah. Also, they did, you know, pass all the standards that are set for it by, like, the animal welfare groups and everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, there was a widespread circulation of bacteria in, in their blood, indicating not only it got inside, secondarily, it became septic. The oh, fish got septic when, 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 when they got rid of the traps. So those traps are real important. They are. Uh, this, along with further genetic testing, allowed them to be pretty damn sure that, yes, these extracellular traps are very essential in keeping pathogens away during the lungfish's vulnerable estivation period. Ayy. Ayy. To sum it all up and bring this all together... The estivating lungfish cocoon, thought for so long to be a simple dead mass of dry mucus... Big booger. Big booger. <laughs> ...is in fact a multi-layered mass of living tissue. Created by skin the... Skin friend. Skin friend. <laughs> it's a skin friend. <laughs> created by the successive shedding and regenerating of multiple layers of heavily inflamed skin. It's just... It's just screaming with, with activity. Yeah. This living cocoon is filled to the brim with neutrophil-like granulocytes that produce copious amounts of extracellular traps to stop the vast majority of invading bacteria from ever actually bridging through. Pretty rad. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a caveat to this study. Uh, since only lungfish that, that had been estivating for two weeks were used, we don't know how far this activity continues to happen. Gotcha. So, like, we don't know what the skin friend looks like few years down the road, because lungfish can literally estivate for years. Several years. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, and probably that study will happen because of this. Because this be is cool. This is... I love when things are just, like, big old ideas are just turned on their head. Because it also too. spurs a whole lot of research into that topic to investigate what else Yeah, a bunch be. of doors. You just turn that big idea house upside down and all the doors open. Exactly. Uh, there's also one more thing to consider, uh, because in many ways, the process by which African lungfish remodel their skin during terrestrialization actually mirrors the process of uh, the onset of certain inflammatory skin disorders seen in mammals. Oh. Like us. Uh, which, uh, it, not, not all of them, but the ones that, that, that this mirrors uh, are characterized by an influx of granulocytes and corresponding bouts of etiosis that end up causing uh, inflammatory damage. Interesting. Except, uh, in these lungfish, these changes to the skin are purposefully induced yeah. every year with each dry season, and they're able to be reversed when, it come, when it's safe to come out of estivation. So how do they reverse it? Can we do that for people? Exactly. It's yeah. therefore very possible uh, that further study of these processes could lead to novel skin treatments for us mammals. Not just humans, but mammals. Yeah. Uh, in which this type of thing is not actually supposed to happen. That'd be great. My parents' dog, her skin's really inflamed and she loses all of her hair when it gets too cold. Oh no. So. Could it be like a diet thing? Oh, uh, no, they've tried everything. I don't know. Yeah, but they got her a coat, and she really loves it. So. Well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs always look stunning in their yeah. coats. But wow. yeah, short episode. Fascinating one, though. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah, I love lungfish. Lungfish are insane. They're so cool. And just so you guys get a visual, lungfish, it's like a long, it looks like a long brown eel, kind of. And then um, they their fins look like little legs, like little noodly legs. Um, and they push themselves around. It's really cool. It's fantastic. Also, some of them look like streamers, and you wonder what they even do for the fish. Truly. Um, but... Yeah. <laughs> They're the weirdest little nubby legs. I love them. Okay. Um, so, yeah. On the Instagram, science underscore in underscore podcast, you're going to be able to see pictures of lungfish, of these mucus friends, um, and also <laughs> of the little girl taking a nap on a beach. And what was the other video we were going to show them? Oh, yeah. Lungfish jumping out of people's walls. Yes. Yeah. So... Um, Maybe more falling than jumping. Yeah. Falling. <laughs> falling awake. <laughs> like, All right. What the fuck? All right. <laughs> it's pretty good. So uh, follow us on Instagram. Um, say hi to us. You can slip into our DMs. Mm -hmm. You can email us. Podcast at scienceandpictures.com. 
Um, you can stalk us, find out where we live. No, don't do that. Madison's phone, <laughs> Madison's phone number is 555. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will be in your ear holes uh, again soon. Hey, what did the estimating longfish say to the terrestrialized longfish?